Okay, everybody expects us to have an anime podcast. Michael Peters, Justin Charity, at long last, are they podcasting once again about anime? No. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. Honestly, this podcast might turn out to be like the Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence movie Life, except neither of us is in prison, and in fact, we're not even taping in the same location. But we will be talking a lot about the millennial life. You know, music, video games, strange stuff from the dark corners of the internet that piques our interest. People think this is going to be, oh, a little topic A, oh, what's topic B, oh, a little, you know, chit-chat. No. Every time you tune into this podcast, we are going to lock you into a room for 45 minutes, and we are going to do criticism. We are going to get to the bottom of every Scooby-Doo mystery that the discourse produces for us each week. Mark my words. Man, that was that was a lot. But anyway, we are excited about it. We are excited. We're excited. We're super excited. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. And this is Sound Only. We're back on August 11th. Catch us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Let's go. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Lippman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Some royal news, but of course... Where to start, but always, when given the opportunity, but with Beyonce. We have a new Beyonce film, Black is King on Disney+. Plus. Um, just continuing an, an, the epic run of Beyonce drops. And yeah, and Disney+, Plus. shout out to them. So much makes sense about The Lion King from last summer now, as many people have pointed out. Yeah, I, I, that really did click in for me. I think it was like Hunter Harris at Vulture who was saying that she didn't really understand why Beyonce did the strange live-ish action. It, well, it wasn't live action. I don't know what you would call the weird computer animation that was The Lion King 2019. I honestly did not bother to learn the scientific terms. But it was strange that Beyonce decided to spend her time doing that. And she played grown-up Nala and doesn't have a lot to do as grown-up Nala in the live action uh, Lion King. So it it was a little confusing at the time, but then when it was revealed that she used um, this opportunity in order to make an album and then get Disney to allow her to make a like truly epic, as you said, uh, visual album and film reimagining The Lion King, that that clicked in. I was like, good trade off. I get it. One hundred percent. Also. Spotify feeds me frequently the Can You Feel the Love Tonight with um, Beyonce, Donald Glover, Seth Rogen, and Billy Eichner. And let me tell you, I love it. I I would like an entire Billy Eichner like album of like musical songs. Like, can we get that going, Billy Eichner? Like, just just a request. Anyway, um, yeah, it it kind of all came together, and I think it's fair to say that in many ways, Black is King, like probably will and should totally overshadow this Lion King remake. Like it's, it's a, it's a far bigger artistic feat, even if um, Lion King is a very uh, big like animation feat, you know, and it's not really one-to-one, but it just seems like this is kind of the meat of it. It was like a, it was like a, a, a long wait, but you're like, ah, uh, yes. Like this is what is we were waiting for. Absolutely. Artistically for sure. Having yeah. seen both, I can tell you, that the thing that will stay with me 
is Black is King and not the live action Lion King, which you know what? I and I and I liked the Lion King. I grew up on the original Lion King. I thought the new one was pretty weird, but whatever. You know, it's it's some nice music. But in terms of the scale and the scope and and the the moment of it all and just everyone talking about something all at once. I think a lot of children went to see The Lion King. It did make, a, you know, a lot more money box. Not a lot more. I guess this is the frustrating thing is that Disney Plus and most streaming services do not typically release uh, audience data. So we don't know how much how many people will see this. But Disney Plus has a, a tremendously large reach. And I think you have to assume that a lot of people saw it. And a lot of people were talking about it and yeah. were like very moved by it. And that's not just the, the, is it beehive or bayhive? Here we go. Every damn time. Beehive. I, I say um, beehive. Yeah. The beehive. But just, it, you know, it had that moment of like every single uh, critic and person with pop cultural interest woke up at some point over the weekend and turned on Disney plus and was like, now I will watch this film by Beyonce. And like, the other thing that I think we'll keep talking about or that I want to talk more about is just it amazes me how she does all of this at such the scale and the level of execution that she does without anyone knowing that it's going on. Totally. And 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 not just the secrecy, though, like we've talked about, like all the NDAs and how whenever one of these secret drops is released, it's just like so many people had to keep that a secret. And, and that's really hard. But just this was filmed all over the world with hundreds of artists and musicians and fashion designers like and and so many contributors the amount of time and effort and the level at which she is making this film is exhilarating to me and mind-boggling to me she keeps saying that she worked on it for only a year like a year seems a like long. a no i think like a year is pretty short for this level of the number of places that she had to go and the number of um just the number of scenes, because as you know, as our friend um, Wesley Morris pointed out uh, in the New York Times in a great kind of capsule review, um, it, Beyonce films tend to be edited um, it, it, with a lot of short shots. There is kind of a collage aspect to all of her visual albums. But so that's like a lot of individual shots that she's yeah. setting up and staging. And we've all seen the Beyonce behind the scenes documentary. And we know that Beyonce does a shot again and again until she gets it exactly right. I don't know how you do this in only a year. That's my take. <laughs> um, I thought the opening shots reminded me a lot of Wonder Woman when they were on the island. Mm -hmm. it, and in, a, in like a very good way. And that kind of made me feel like that Disney Plus was like the right home for Black is King. And I, I just felt like was it's obviously like so impactful just the the visuals are are literally stunning and just so different than probably everything else on Disney Plus but at the same time I felt like I was like this is the right place for it like this is a gift like, this is how I felt about Hamilton the fact that you can watch something that so many people a really care about it I mean all of Beyonce's content and B that it's just available like on demand for you to enjoy in a way that you're comfortable with and share with kids and have it become like a family event. Like just, um, was very, very exciting to me. And I actually, I, I feel like this, the streaming services have hit their stride and in time for Beyonce's visual work to have the right home. Cause I, I think previously when she dropped lemonade and Beyonce, the idea of like a visual album, 
was a little confusing because we didn't have the right platform for it. But this is like actually a really good marriage of um, platform and content. And I, I, I don't know. I kind of like thought that was cool. And maybe I'm just like way too inside of this machine. But I, I don't know. Also, I guess coming along with COVID, we're like, you're just like, well, what do I watch tonight? It's just kind of like really wonderful. I completely agree with you. I've, I've been thinking about my relationship to like watching Beyonce perform because I have never actually seen Beyonce in concerts. So Beyonce has always been someone I, you know, I experience her music, but I experience her in, in film because whether it's her music videos or whether it's the visual albums that she's developed over the past decade, like, or, you know, whether it's homecoming, which was the, the film of her Coachella performance. Like I have my understanding of Beyonce and like her real power and presence as an artist has as much to do with like her movement and visual style as like her tremendous musical ability. But like, that's the definition of film. And I have always, you know, I've always watched that on video. So it is cool in a way that now she has like the, the largest platform, which I think, again, we won't know numbers, but just based on how many homes have Disney plus, I think you have to assume that she's reaching a much uh, like a very large audience. Is it bigger than Netflix? Is that what people think? No, I don't think so. Not yet. Just because it, you know, it debuted earlier this year. Well, I guess last year, um, 2019. And, you know, it's not available internationally, you know, um, in every single country. So there was some interesting um, information about how, because Disney Plus is not available across Africa, that there was, there were special arrangements made to be able for people there to be able to watch Black is King. But I think it's like it's an absolutely growing platform. Hamilton was another part of it being able to grow. And I have been thinking a lot about the significance of it being on Disney Plus just from like a movie nerd perspective. And as someone who has to log on to Disney Plus to like, I don't know, watch whatever Star Wars or no disrespect to Star Wars, but there is a there is a definition of Disney Plus in my head that is aimed at children and people who like uh, sci-fi or fantasy type uh, stories, because that is what Disney has succeeded in for many years. And it's really exhilarating instead to log on and see Black is King at the top of Disney Plus and, you know, to drive around Los Angeles where it's just a constant uh, streaming billboards war. And it's, you know, Netflix has these four boards and HBO Max has these three and Disney has these. And to see Black is King there everywhere is still really significant. We talk so much, or I talk as much as I can bear on the big picture about like, there just aren't that many female filmmakers and there certainly aren't that many black female filmmakers. And you just, as a result, don't get to see these visions of the world as often because um, these women are not in a position to make these stories. And it's just, it's really exciting that you get to log on and to watch this for an hour and a half. To your point about doing this in secret and like how amazing that is. The other thing that blows my mind and we have a wonderful comparison right now is how Beyonce has so much power from not doing press, like, and just dropping it, letting the work speak for itself, being, um, an absolute, uh, clearly obsessive over the details of, of what she's putting out there, how it's made, how things are perceived, trying to control it as much as possible, but then dropping it and walking away. And I just think it is like in such stark contrast to like, 
to this tenant bullshit where it's just like we're constantly talking <laughs> about like like it, it's so much of that has just obviously been like because of what the filmmaker wants which she's obviously entitled to and i love christopher nolan movies but i just think there's so much power in her being like this is how i'm doing it my way that that's it and like there's no prevaricating there's no sort of like just so you know, this was shot on IMAX. You all need to see it in the theater. So like put on your mask and like, just like things like that. It's just so different. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. Some of it is just because the, then the work does stand for itself. And with movies like Tenet, which I have not seen and may never seen. And that's like a whole other can of worms. Check out the um, big picture. <laughs> but, you know, so many movies and I think TV shows and even albums right now and the Taylor Swift album comes a bit to mind. Um, are designed to have like a second life independent of the art themselves. And you're supposed to be on, you know, Reddit or Instagram or Tumblr or wherever you are kind of doing the clues and the experience of anticipating and talking about and the culture around the art itself is oftentimes more rewarding than the piece of art. Or maybe it's rewarding in a different way. Or maybe that's just like that. That's the culture that people are looking for and not actually the piece of art itself. And I think, you know, there has been like a tremendously rewarding culture around um, Black is King after the fact, which has been in unpacking all of the references and the artists and the other musicians who uh, Beyonce included in the album and all of the designers and, you know, looking at all of the clothes and this entire vision of the world and of art that, um, that you can learn about. And then I certainly have been learning about through black is King, but that all comes from engaging with the text itself. Yeah. That's, that's what she wants. She's like, I would like you to watch this beautiful film and then think about what you have seen in terms of culture and black history and black music and, and, and go out and learn more. And, but it, it starts with the text. And it's so, it's so lush. I just feel like that there's so many bright colors and there's just, there is, so much to dissect. I honestly find it overwhelming. It's like there's so much in here. You there's no way you could get it all on, on first pass. And yeah, I, I it's just she's um her evolution is like pretty, pretty remarkable. And I, I've been thinking a lot about that as well, from like obviously Destiny's Child, but even to like um from Crazy in Love, which is like, you know, still a massively popular song, played at every wedding I've ever been to. Um mm -hmm. And to this artist, which she's obviously always been and just sort of like seeing it come together on such a grand scale and having her have such command is pretty, pretty mind blowing. I think for me, her command of, of, of her career is just absolutely like breathtaking to behold. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. I was thinking about, imagine if you are a, an established pop star or an artist, a, you know, a filmmaker and you do the Lion King or a similar project, and then you have an opportunity to make um, an additional film or you know piece of piece of work with Disney's backing. And kind of what do you do? And what do you decide to go for? And just the the sheer like ambition and grandness, and and the scale at which Beyonce both like sets out to do Black is King, and then totally pulls it off. It's it's pretty singular. There is yeah. there is almost no one operating on her level. There, it's true, and she also she does give her music a second life through these visual albums. This is this mm -hmm. is the best execution of it, right? Like the Lemonade came out. I think the visual album dropped within a day or at the same time as the album itself. Mm -hmm. This is obviously yes. a year behind um, the album, which came out around when same time as Lion King. Um, and this does like you know 
it puts the music into a different light. It revives it. You'll definitely listen to it differently. And <laughs> she's just like playing, the, playing the long game in a way that no, to your point, no one else is. It's, it's like, it's honestly like it's staggering. Like the fact that she, she has mastered this, not just pulled it off, but mastered it. There's like no comparison for it. Like what is the previous benchmark to which to compare Beyonce? There is none. I, only, only Beyonce, you know, yeah. and it's just like, it, it was lemonade and and now it is this. And I, I completely agree. And I love thinking about the mechanics. And like I said, I watched this movie and I'm like, how did you do this? Like, yeah. how did you actually pull this off and get all of these people and, you know, in one place. And, you know, I think a little bit of that is like, we're um, watching it during COVID-19 and during, uh, you know, some version of quarantine. And it is, it, it presents a, a whole world and it feels you can tell that she traveled lots of places and it is inclusive and um, is just like is opening something that, you know, I personally am in at Dobbins probably did not have a ton of access to before COVID-19, but certainly don't feel like I do right now. So I really do feel the scale of it. Um, but I just, you know, I watch and I, I I'm both so appreciative of her the level of execution and her savvy and her career and just like her technical and artistic abilities, but also just like enjoy watching it. I mean, suddenly when, when Beyonce is, is on screen doing Beyonce there, there is really no other artistic comparison. Like she is, she's singular. Even the idea of an art film, I feel like is, changed as a result of this friendly not as maybe in my mind not like in reality but just the kind of the idea of like film as art i feel like i see slightly differently as a result of of black is king yeah i think that's true and i think that she is both kind of bringing a concept of a quote like art film more in the mainstream than it usually is right now you don't get as large an audience to this type of film primarily because it's not usually on Disney plus as I mentioned it's most usually just like baby Yoda all respect to baby Yoda um and but I do also think that she is reimagining and and pushing the boundaries of film and pushing the boundaries of a visual album and a music video and I just have such admiration for someone who has achieved as much as she has and is as talented as and can do so many different things being like, you know, now I'll try this. And now like, I will keep pushing. Great job, Beyonce. Yeah. What you've accomplished is unimaginable for most people. It's true. I mean, she is, she's the generational, yeah, the talent. She's the number one. It's, it's without question for me. There's no one close to her level of yeah. esteem, her power, her universality, her like, you know. And, and her success and, yeah, and her, her achievements. Success. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Great job. Congratulations to Disney Plus. They're very lucky to have this this uh, film. This episode is brought to you by Blue Apron. Home cooking matters now more than ever. With Blue Apron, you can have peace of mind by getting fresh quality ingredients delivered straight to your door so you can cook delicious, easy meals in the comfort of home. Blue Apron takes the guesswork out of dinner, and we mean more than just deciding what to eat. You can know your ingredients are being prepared and packaged with the highest attention to quality and safety. Create a plan that works with you with Blue Apron's ever-changing mix of menu options like vegetarian, carb-conscious, Mediterranean, diabetes-friendly, and WW-approved. Prices start as low as $7.49 per serving, and you can schedule, skip, or cancel orders whenever you want. 
So don't sacrifice flavor. Don't settle for boring meals. Find comfort in the kitchen with Blue Apron and enjoy delicious home-cooked meals. Check out this week's menu and get $30 off across your first two deliveries when you visit blueapron.com slash jam. That's blueapron.com slash jam. Blue Apron, feed your soul. Let's move on to royal news, which we honestly haven't really discussed that much of. The the Meghan and Harry book news is trickling out. there are some excerpts out in the world, as they say in the UK, extracts. Um, and <laughs> uh, would it surprise you that all of the stories seem very polarized one way or the other? No, it would not. I mean, this is here we are, right? Yeah. The the book that we've been waiting for that. So let, let's be very clear. So this book is called uh, Finding Freedom, and it is written by Omid Scobie and Carolyn Durand. And it will be published next week. But as you said, quote, extracts or excerpts have been out um, in both UK papers and also, I believe, in People magazine. And uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle have denied sitting for an interview for this book. So we should say that up top. They have not denied at the content of any of the stories or the extracts that have come out uh, as a result of this book. And there are details in it of like an extremely close personal nature, which suggests that they were somehow involved in the writing of this book. Omid Scobie, one of the writers, has been kind of someone who reports from like close to Megan camps throughout the, the past couple of years. And I there's just kind of a tacit acknowledgement that this is their side of the story. I think I said to you a couple of weeks ago, but it does remind me very much of the Andrew Morton book about Princess Diana. Which is the which is the basis of Diana the musical. So very, very familiar. Yeah. And was a it was a very big deal. And it, it came out and it was released similarly in newspaper extracts um, or excerpts and then caused a big firestorm. And Diana at the time denied being a part of it, but her friends had participated and given information. So everyone kind of understood that it was her side of the story. And then after her death, it was revealed that she had cooperated. She had not sat down technically to an interview with Andrew Morton. There had been an intermediary who asked her the questions and then smuggled the tapes, but it was, it was her version and pretty much everyone understood that. And I, and, and then ultimately was the precipitating factor in the ultimate separation and divorce of of Charles and Diana, which is an unfair. I mean, I think there were a lot of precipitating factors in terms of it being like a miserable marriage. Yeah, I'm about to say everyone being very unhappy. <laughs> right. And the like and the royal family being like a very bizarre institution that did not support Diana at all. But this was kind of like the okay, we can't we can't move past this. So I, you know, it, in a lot of ways the the separation between Harry and Meghan and the royal family has already happened. And this is kind of them telling their version of the story afterwards. It does also really feel just timing wise, like we had the events of the beginning of the year and then they told their side of the story. And this is how long it takes for a book to roll out. So this is fast for the book cycle. Yeah. But I, you know, we were talking a few weeks ago about, all of the really hatchet jobby books sure. that were coming out that seemed to have also been assigned at the same time. And they were other people's version of events or people trying to make a buck off of the story. So I think for these 
kind of reported, more tabloidy books, they do rush them out. I mean, timeliness is important. You're not going to be reading this for the pros, I would guess. With all respect no. to Omid Scobie and Carolyn Durand, it's just, it's, it, you know, this isn't like literary fiction. I don't plan to read it because all the good stuff will be in, be on the internet and in the tabloids. So I'm just like, that's, and that's, that's good. You know, I don't, I don't know, but I, I don't judge reading it, but I just think that so much of it, we will already know that anything new will definitely be landing in like the, the mirror and people magazine. Yeah. I've been going back and forth on it. I know I texted you a couple of weeks ago being like, I'm going to read this book and I'm sorry. And I both on the one hand, I know it's bad for me. On the other hand, I'm trying to read everything. On the third hand, if it is, in fact, their version of the story, then I think it's important to let them, if they want to have their you know, day in court or their day in the tabloid, so to speak, one of their I many should days consume in court. that. One of their many days in court, which is a, a separate discussion. And is, again, one of the reasons that I think that they prob- that they are involved in this because they have been um, so adamant about taking legal action against anyone who is writing about them in ways that they, they feel Don't is invasive. Support. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. I feel like, is there anything in these excerpts that you've learned that you, that has stayed with you? Um, I guess that, uh, Megan posted like a, like a coded message on Instagram after their first date of like, of like heart candies for, and, for Harry to like essentially. And mm-hmm. like, they just both seem like really basic, um, which I think, mm-hmm. we, I think we already knew, but it's confirmed. Yeah. And the Harry just seems like he, he was like looking for something. I don't know exactly what and found it in Megan, which I guess is how most relationships are. You're looking for something and you find it in the other person and it just works at a certain time. And I don't know. I think the main thing is they're also like just more boring and like way more like regular than you would than you would think based on the royalness of it all. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I, the the Prince Harry stuff is it's a little bit funny. Like there was a revelation about his Instagram handle, which there's a, there's a lot of uncovering of um, Finstas right now of celebrities because of that account Dumois on Instagram where they like post rumors and whatnot. And like Sandra Bullock just got added on that, on that account. And it's just, it's happening a lot. Celebrities it's not safe for you on Instagram. Do better. Don't comment. This is true. Although to be fair, it really seems like someone close to Prince Harry revealed his Finsta in this book. And yeah. the name of it is spiky Mal five, uh, which is apparently related to his enthusiasm for dead Mal five. And, Incredible. and that, type of music in general, which, you know, everyone can have their interests and tastes. I can't say that it's mine. So there's stuff like that, which is just, as you said, kind of basic, or it's just, it, it is really funny in all of these Finstas to when the public persona is married to just like another person on Instagram, just like the rest of us, some making better choices than others, some people being cooler about it than others. But then there is also just the, the Prince Harry family tension. And that's what it seems like. It seems like a lot of family tension because he obviously has a a traumatic loss in his childhood and has a very bizarre family situation and is the quote spare. And I don't, it seems like he did not feel valued and loved enough in his own family, which is totally valid. Probably true. 
and like and understandable and is just also the a tale as old as family. It's both so specific to their very bizarre family structure and the fact that hierarchy is built into it in a way that it is in almost no other family. And then also a tale as old as time. It's just like some sibling stuff that's very tough. And that then became like an international tabloid sensation. It's kind of sad, but it it is they, sad. It's a little sad. Harry just seems like he would have been like really fun to know when you were 25. And then at 35, you're just like, it's good for you that you got married and you have a child. You you really needed to move on from that phase, you know? So yes. I, yes. I, I feel happy for him. This is, I guess, not the popular opinion of like most people, since it seems like I would say like if if we're counting up anyone who cares, slightly anti Meghan and Harry. But I, I think that like what they are doing is good for them. I have a question for you. Do you believe mm-hmm. any of the headlines that are like Harry's unhappy and lost in Los Angeles, many of which have been attributed to Jane Goodall? I mean, I'm also somewhat unhappy and lost in Los Angeles right now. It's, it's a, a really weird... hard place to move to. <laughs> it's well, it's just also everyone is a bit unhappy and lost yeah, right totally. now in a very strange time for our world. And yeah. I think if you have even the slightest bit awareness of anything going on outside the home that you are in, you feel very confused. I think additionally, it is very strange timing for them in that, you know, they moved and they are now quarantining away from his entire family. And he is really on the other side of the world. It's very far. I was working on the writer this week who I very much enjoy, Kate Lloyd. She has a great piece uh, on The Ringer right now about Coyote Ugly, which is 20 years old in case you also want to feel old. Um, But Kate is based in London. And just the editing process, I felt so bad because I would just be eight hours late to anything that Kate did because it's so far away. So it actually is hard to keep in touch with people, even in our super connected time. So I'm sure he feels quite disconnected. I think it would be weird if he was like, I'm great. I'm in Tyler Perry's L.A. mansion. I haven't been outside. There are drones trying to get a picture of my child. And I've I've never been happier. I think that would be weird. Now, how they're presented and the motivations of all the people writing them and, you know, the story that is built up in public based on those headlines is different. And I don't agree with. And I think everyone's chilling out. But yeah, I'm I'm sure it hasn't been the best year for anyone. No, it's amazing. They made their exit right before COVID. They got those last photo ops in. You know, we'll always have Megan in the turquoise dress in the rain. Mm hmm. Just yeah. crazy. What a crazy that feels like so long ago. I can't. I mean, it was six months, I guess, but feels longer or five months. Also in royal news, last week, Prince William went on yeah. a soccer podcast. He went on a podcast called That Peter Crouch Podcast. And it's absolutely it was absolutely surreal. It was just like it's just not a coincidence, by the way, at the time. No, no, definitely he, not. Like, they, like the first stories came out and then there he was on uh, the Peter Crouch podcast. Though they did record it a while ago, but I'm sure they like brokered when it would be released. And then they had to re-record some of it as a result of COVID. Um, Prince William, the Duke of Cambridge, the future king of England and the United Kingdom, um, like just talks about like being an Aston Villa fan. And he's talking, Peter Crouch is like a really famous and popular footballer who is also like six, six. So that makes him like taller than most footballers. And his podcast is also really popular. And it's just like kind of like a, a crazy lightning in a bottle hit. And he, he talks about 
his family, like his nuclear family, his wife and three kids in such a normal, familiar way that obviously he was trying really hard to be like, look how normal we are. But it was just surreal. Like he was talking, he acknowledged when Kate and he took George and Charlotte to the Aston Villa game and then, or to the match, excuse me. And then they (laughs) had all this press and like caught them like cheering and whatnot. And it was just weird to hear him reflect on like one of his own paparazzi moments because they don't really do that. And I guess that was like a safe one that was certainly staged. Be like, look, we we go to the football match for our dad's favorite (laughs) team. But it was just weird to hear him talk about it. And um, it was weird to hear him talk about George, like a real live boy, like not just like a kid walking into his school down like a protected street. And he talked about like the challenges of being a dad in quarantine, which I'm sure like he was playing up for the moment, but like he was playing dad. It actually reminded me a lot of Elizabeth Holmes' Instagram because he was very much playing into the character that she makes them out to be. And I found it like surreal because it was so meta, but I also found it incredibly fake. And like, I just have a, extreme distaste in my mouth for Prince William that I don't think I'll ever get rid of. I think that's valid. I think that will be pretty challenging if they try to extend the monarchy past Queen Elizabeth because it'll be Charles who just everyone seems to have forgotten about. And then William who has definitely been made out to be the Stepford at best and, you know, mean snobbish older institution brother and institutional enforcer at worst in, in all of this. And, you know, I don't think that's wrong. And I think it's an interesting thing about the Royal family kind of going back to Queen Elizabeth's early days. There's that great episode in, I believe the second season of the crown when um, there's a journalist who writes a, a piece criticizing Queen Elizabeth and and, you know, kind of making fun of her voice and how uh, disconnected she seems from the her subjects. And then he's invited to Buckingham Palace and they have that meeting where he just like tells her all of the ways that she seems um, completely, completely removed and unrelatable. And and then as a result, the monarchy makes a bunch of changes. And I, that is a true story. And then I think a lot of the Diana effect was that in came this person who um, knew how to connect with people. And she was obviously really great at press, um, but she also had a, a just uh, a very memorable and open, like human connection to all of the people that made the royals in comparison look very stiff. And they've always been trying to keep up with that. And I think Harry and Meghan were very much the same thing of they definitely just wanted to be human people. And a lot of people found it really relatable. And so now you have everyone else scrambling to, to be like, we're just like them, you know, Royals, they're just like us, but, uh, they're not, they live very strange lives. (laughs) Certainly not. It really is just a different, a different, uh, a different kind of human, I guess. I don't know. It was so weird. Also just podcasting is like, so, you know, the Peter Koch podcast is as informal as ours. And so it was really (laughs) weird to hear William be like part of this free flowing conversation and, and and feigning free flowingness. I don't think he's ever free or flowing probably without drugs or alcohol and certainly not around a microphone, but (laughs) it was just weird to hear him be a part of this medium. I I don't know. I guess I've been thinking a lot about how content and platform go together Mm -hmm. as we were discussing with Beyonce as well, but just to hear on something that is so still scrappy 
And so um, like straightforward and lo-fi to have this massively famous person who we spend a lot of time thinking about be on like just many people's favorite soccer podcast was really weird and exciting. I don't know. And made real. You know, I was going to say, speaking just of of Royals doing radio, are you familiar with Desert Island Discs? Yes, I am. So Desert Island Disc, by the way, I just recommend Desert Island Discs if you've never listened to it. It's like a very, very long running British radio program, I think since the 1940s. And um, each week a different famous person comes on and they have to pick a number of, of songs that they would take with them on a desert island. And so they play the music and then in between there's like an interview where it's it's more formal than the kind of conversation Juliet and I are having. But it, it does try to be conversational. Uh, it's gotten more informal over the decades. Um, Princess Margaret definitely did Desert Island Discs once upon a time and you can listen to it. And it is the most bizarre thing that I like have ever heard because first of all, the way that royals of that generation speak just, I, you know, I'm not British, so I don't have the ear for the accents in the way that other British people do, but I can tell you that no one speaks like that anymore. Well, when Charles speaks, I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. This is different. <laughs> yes. Um, but it is like, it's a, 30 years earlier version of the same thing of these people who just aren't used to interacting with individuals in this familiar way at all, trying to like meet culture where it is. And sometimes it works better than others, but it's pretty fascinating. I recommend it, you know, check it out on Spotify or wherever you get your Peter Crouch podcast. But Mm -hmm. it was, it was a delight. What must've been exciting for them. Also, English people just love soccer. So like, what a, what a great way to relate to the future King. If if it's around, if any of us are around by then, I don't know, just great stuff. While we're on that side of the Atlantic, let's also just mention Paul Meskel. He of normal people and the Connell's chain Instagram fame that first of all, he got nominated for an Emmy. So congratulations. And he's now starring in a Rolling Stones music video. I have no comment. It just, the Paul Mescal economy really exploded. And that's great because you and I wanted to be on that train as 100%. soon as it started. And we were, but it's just, you know, all of the meme photos about the shorts and Paul Mescal's fits, which I actually really enjoy. He was spotted having coffee with Phoebe Bridgers at one point a few weeks ago. And that was like a very exciting thing. Everyone's like, oh, are Paul Mescal and Phoebe Bridgers dating? Now he's in a Rolling Stones music video, which I like honestly did not know that the Rolling Stones were still making music videos. And guys, I like hang it up a little bit, but also I guess, you know, on the other hand, keep stay engaged, keep making content, I suppose. But it's pretty... (laughs) He's just everywhere all of a sudden. And, but what's so he's everywhere, but because of COVID and also just because of the timeline, it's still only for normal people. Like there's, there's no, you know, next career steps for Paul Mescal. It's just all of these memes. Yeah. And him just like being goofy or yeah. be, being Connell. Yeah. I don't know. It's exciting though. Just like we were excited about folklore for the new content like a new celebrity i accept let's go it's true that's true and he seems to be walking the balance of like maybe not being in on the joke but being patient about it while also we haven't reached overexposure yet so yeah that's great yet yet but i believe all right well we're off next week we'll be returned in two weeks with book news as we both will be spending a lot of time reading and we'll talk to you then thanks for listening